Mexicans arrived in Manila Bay on May 1, 1945, like their ancestors did many hundreds of years ago, via ship. But if those who came before them sailed into the Philippines aboard galleons, these 300 volunteers were crowded aboard a cargo freighter that had been hastily converted into an American troop ship. They stood on the deck of the military vessel, eyes wide, as they took in the sights of the twisted hulks of ships floating around the bay and the ruined buildings of the old capital, leveled to the ground by the furious fighting of the Battle of Manila just two months before. Desperate Japs put Manila to the torch as the first elements of Yanks burst into the city and proceed with mopping up operations. Manila is being freed In that instant, the war they had signed up to fight became devastatingly real. But for the past year, these Mexicans had been training in the United States for this moment to join the war against the Axis powers as the only full Mexican unit to see action in World War II. Officially, they were called the 201st Squadron of the Mexican Expeditionary Air Force. But these brave volunteers called themselves by another name, Aguilas Aztecas, the Aztec Eagles. And they were here in the Philippines to help take the country back from the Japanese. Welcome to the Colonial Department, a podcast where we take long-lost stories from Philippine colonial history and bring them to life. In this episode, we take to the wild blue yonder with the ace pilots of the 201st Squadron to tell the little-known story of the Mexican unit that helped liberate the Philippines. This is Season 2, Episode 9, Aztec Eagles, Philippine Skies. The links between Mexico and the Philippines go back centuries. For 250 years, Manila and Acapulco were tethered together by the galleon trade, and the colony of the Philippines was actually administered by the Viceroy of Nueva España, as Mexico was called at the time. Many sailors and slaves from the archipelago eventually settled along the Pacific coast of Mexico. Nahuatl words and produce flourished in the Philippines. Camote, or sweet potato, was originally grown in Central and South America, where it was called by the Aztecs as camotli. Meanwhile, the liquor-making techniques that produced tequila and mezcal could arguably be traced back to the hollow tree-trunk stills immigrants from the Philippine Islands used to make tuba, or coconut wine, that tasted just like home. But beyond their historical kinship as ex-Spanish colonies, there were three chief reasons Mexico sent their eagles soaring over Philippine skies. First, in 1941, Mexican intelligence had uncovered Japanese plans to use Mexico as a gateway in their planned Pacific invasion of America. Second, by the time Mexico was ready to send troops overseas, the European war had already been pretty much decided. And lastly, sending a small squadron of fighter pilots was seen as politically less risky than committing an entire division of infantry soldiers who might end up slaughtered in the Pacific. How did Mexico get in the war in the first place? At the start of the global conflict, Mexico was officially neutral. They may have been the only country in the world to officially protest to the League of Nations when Germany annexed Austria. But Germany, Italy, and Japan were important trade partners, and the government found it prudent 
to sell their exports to both sides. There was also, to be honest, an undercurrent of pro-Axis feeling across the region. As researcher Juan Alberto Cedillo wrote, Throughout Latin America, there was great sympathy with the Nazis owing to the imperialist attitudes of the British and the North Americans and to the fact that the atrocities wrought by Hitler were not known there until the end of the war. That all changed in 1942 when German submarines began to attack Mexican oil tankers. The sinking of the Potrera de Llano in the Faja de Oro sent shockwaves across the entire country. On May 28 of that year, President Manuel Avila Camacho declared, que a partir de esa fecha, existe un estado de guerra entre From this day, a state of war exists between Italia, our country and Germany, Italy, and Japan. Sí, la guerra, con todas sus consecuencias. Yes, war with all its consequences. Strong words, bold words. But what could a country with just 15 military-grade boats and a handful of tanks meaningfully contribute to a conflagration that's already burning up half the world? The American ambassador approached the government with an idea, a Mexican expeditionary fighter squadron, trained and equipped by the United States, assigned under General Douglas MacArthur in the Pacific War. And so it was decided, German torpedoes may have brought Mexico into the fight but it would be Japanese forces that would feel its wrath. Applications for the Fuerza Aérea Expedicionaria Mexicana poured in from the cities, the ranches, the towns. A slot in the fighter pilot list was the most coveted, of course. But because he needed to have graduated from an aviation school, most of the fighter pilots came from the Mexican aristocracy. Still, a few self-made men, including one orphan, became part of the squadron. Fighter pilots made up only a tenth of the expeditionary force, but even so for the support positions, armorers, mechanics, clerks, cooks, drivers, competition was still fierce, with tough exams used to select the best candidates. In July 1944, they started their training in Texas, where they saw signs that read, No Mexicans, No Dogs, and where their American Army instructors doubted that they could fly a warplane. But still, the Aztec Eagles warmed up to at least one part of American culture. Aha, my friends! Bienvenidos, cuates! Welcome to Mexico! They adopted the Disney cartoon character, a scrappy rooster named Pancho Pistolas, as their squadron mascot after they watched the movie The Three Caballeros at Home in Mexico on Christmas 1944. Seven months later, they were docking into the harbor of Manila Bay. Despite the devastation it had suffered, the capital city still tried its best to roll out the red carpet and get into a party mood to welcome the Aztec Eagles. A band serenaded them as they walked down the gangway, playing a song they incorrectly thought was the Mexican national anthem. The daughter of the Mexican honorary consul to the Philippines, Conchita Carmelo, put on traditional dress and was photographed kissing the men of the 201st Squadron on the cheek. At Clark Airfield, the Eagles were given their own space and camp, with a Mexican flag fluttering above a bamboo pole. They were also given their own planes, the Republic P-47 Thunderbolt, an ungainly, heavily armored iron can that, over battlefields in Italy and Germany and the Pacific Islands, 
proved its war-worthiness a thousand times over. In an article published in the South Florida Sun Sentinel remembering the pilots of the plane that was nicknamed the Jug, Ted Hutton wrote, The P-47 Thunderbolt was a huge plane that appeared to be almost all engine, and it did resemble a Jug lying on its side. The fat bottom end of the Jug where the propeller was located, tapering down to the tail of the Jug's mouth. It wasn't elegant, and could be even described as ugly, but the pilots loved every inch of their Jug. Even if it was built as a high-altitude fighter, the rugged warplane was also deployed in missions close to the ground, its huge engines roaring as it strafed enemy convoys with its concentrated machine guns or dropped explosives on bases and entrenched positions. To make the planes their own, the Mexicans painted the noses of their P-47s white. On May 17, the White Noses, as the Americans took to calling them, received their first mission orders as well as instructions to write letters to their families in case they did not make it back. In their first combat engagement, the 201st was split up to reinforce the wings of other U.S. units. Even so, the Mexican Expeditionary Force made an impression in their first flight out. Lieutenant Reynaldo Perez Gallardo, a daredevil even in training, successfully blew up a line of Japanese trucks in a straight, clean strafing pass. Looking backwards at the explosions, Gallardo pulled his throttle up and cut across the sky into a celebratory roll. Over the comms, an American radio operator muttered, Look at that crazy Mexican. The 201st soon began flying their own independent missions, either bombing Japanese positions or supporting American ground troops as they mopped up Imperial resistance in the archipelago. On June 1, exactly a month after their arrival, the Aguilas embarked on their most dangerous mission yet. They were ordered to bomb an ammunition depot on the coast near Vigan. The problem was you couldn't approach it by land. It was surrounded on all three sides by high cliffs, and the only way in was seaward via a very narrow opening. The commanding officer of the Aguilas then came up with a crazy idea. From high altitude, the P-47s could drop like stones and dive-bomb the depot. The pilots would then need to skate dangerously close to the water to escape. The Americans considered it a suicide mission, but the Aguilas knew they had the cojones and the skill to pull it off. The mission resulted in the first combat death of the 201st Squadron. Accounts differ. Fellow pilots and eyewitnesses said that Fausto Vega Santander was killed by enemy fire. Though the official history, records that he died because he lost control of the plane and crashed into the water as he tried to climb out of his dangerous dive. More missions followed throughout the next few months, including a grueling sortie of 24 successive flights, dropping a total of 23 tons of explosives over the eastern part of Luzon. At the end of the mission, ground crew had to scrape the exhausted pilots out of their cockpits. Then. They were assigned to another low-altitude bombing run, but this time in Formosa, which we now call Taiwan. It was logical to think that, perhaps soon, the 201st Squadron would take the fight to the Japanese homeland itself. But by that time, however, the Aguilas had lost five pilots since they had arrived in the Philippines. Two were also injured and 14 of their planes were out of commission. For a pilot lineup of just around 30, 
These were all heavy blows. Because not enough experienced fighter pilots were left, the commanding officer of the Aztec Eagles chose not to participate in the invasion of Japan, where American fighter planes battled Japanese kamikaze pilots in the cutting blue over Okinawa. From the very start of the battle for Okinawa, the Japs launched desperate and unceasing air attacks against our fleet. Then, one August night, as the 201st Squadron was sitting down to watch a movie, their commanding officer pulled up a chair to tell them the news. An extremely powerful bomb had just been dropped in Japan. A weapon so powerful, so devastating, so horrific, that the Emperor would surely surrender. A short time ago, an American airplane dropped one bomb on Hiroshima and destroyed its usefulness to the enemy. That bomb has more power than 20,000 tons of TNT. The Japanese began the war from the air at Pearl Harbor. They have been repaid. The Mexican many Expeditionary Force took to the air one final time, a simple, uneventful escort mission accompanying a convoy of ships to Okinawa. The ground crew also saw action on that same day as they were ambushed by Japanese stragglers outside of Clark Airfield. They captured two Japanese soldiers with no loss of life to themselves. And then, just like that, the war was over. On September 2, surrender terms were signed aboard the USS Missouri in Tokyo Bay. On September 16, the day of Mexican independence, grateful officials of a soon-to-be-also-independent Philippines honored six pilots of the 201st with the Philippine Liberation Medal. As they hoisted up the Mexican flag, a P-47 plane flew overhead. The story of the Aguilas Aztecas remains largely forgotten now, even in their home country. While celebrated during the war, their exploits largely faded from memory or were replaced with tall tales that exaggerated their contribution to the war. If we were to speak objectively, it wasn't much. The Mexican Expeditionary Force roared into action when momentum was already swinging in favor of the Allies. They arrived in the Philippines when all that remained were mopping up operations to clear away the holdouts of Japanese resistance. And when the opportunity arrived for them to dogfight Japanese fighter planes in the Battle of Okinawa, they were already too hobbled to take to the skies. But still, the Eagles flew 57 missions, 53 in the Philippines and 4 over Taiwan. 45 of those missions were successful, many of them risky low-altitude bombing runs. Each pilot logged an average of 82 hours of flight time, and in total, the squad dropped 1,457 bombs across occupied enemy territory. And they lost five men, heroes who died fighting in a land and a war so far from home. The Mexican Expeditionary Force was perhaps many things. A publicity coup, a public relations tour, a propaganda gesture, a chance at the Allied seat at the table, but for the 300 men of the Aguilas Aztecas, it was also a harrowing and dangerous and very real war. It's time we remember them. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Colonial Department. References used in this episode are written on the show notes. 
But I'd also like to express my thanks to my main sources for this episode. My primary reference was Gustave Vazquez Lozano's 2021 book, 201st Squadron, The Aztec Eagles, The History of the Mexican Pilots Who Fought in World War II. Richard Parker's 2020 article entitled, When the Mexican Air Force Went to War Alongside America, published in the New York Times, as well as a 2000 interview with pilot Reynaldo Perez Gallardo, archived in the University of Texas at Austin, also proved invaluable. Quotations from sources were read by Anya Ong. The Colonial Department was written and produced by Leo Mangubat. Follow us on Instagram at The Colonial Department.